Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble, with exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. This episode contains explicit language. Welcome to Mom and Dad are Fighting, Slate's parenting podcast for Thursday, May 5th, the Just Trash It All edition. I'm Jamila Lemieux, a writer, contributor to Slate's Care and Feeding Parenting column, and mom to Naima, who is nine, and we live in Los Angeles. I'm Elizabeth Newcamp. I write the homeschool and family travel blog, Dutch Dutch Goose. I'm the mom to three littles, Henry, who's 10, Oliver, who's seven, and Teddy, who's five, and we live in Colorado Springs, Colorado. And I'm Zach Rosen. I make the podcast, The Best Advice Show, and I live in Detroit with my family. My daughter, Noah, is four, and my son, Ami, is one. Today on the show, we're wondering, do you ever feel like you're constantly tiptoeing through a maze of toys, or as if the walls of your place are just closing in? Well, our listener can relate. She's had enough of her family's mess, and she just wants to throw all the shit away. Then on Slate Plus, we're talking about Old Enough, a Japanese show where toddlers run errands on their own. You may have seen clips float across your feeds, and it is terrifyingly adorable, no doubt. But we can't help but to wonder how our own kids would fare. I can tell you how mine would do. (laughs) Here's a sneak peek of what you'll hear if you have Slate Plus. Yeah, she's got a good sense of direction. She's very good at talking to strangers and asking questions. Of course, that lends itself to her getting kidnapped in the worst case scenario, but I'm not about to let her do it anytime soon. No, no, I'm Um, I'm not suggesting that. However, I think she could do it. If you want a weekly bonus segment from us and your other Slate faves, consider signing up for Slate Plus. You'll also never be bothered by a pesky ad again, and you'll have unlimited access to the Slate website. To sign up now, go to slate.com slash plus. Again, that's slate.com slash plus. All right, we're going to take a quick break, and when we come back, we'll dive into our triumphs and fails of the week. Nickelodeon's got your preschoolers covered from sunrise to bedtime with four brand new podcasts. Grab their backpack and go on a culinary quest with Dora's Recipe for Adventure. Make game time great time with Let's Guess Who with Josh and Blue. And tuck in for adventure with Nickelodeon's Goodnight Bedtime Stories. Plus, we've got a brand new season of Storytime with Josh and Blue. Search Nickelodeon on your favorite podcast app to listen. If you're new to our show, welcome. Whether you're a parent, educator, or just interested in this wild journey, we're so glad to have you. Here on Mom and Dad Are Fighting, we share our parenting triumphs and fails, offer some advice, and share recommendations of things we love. We're here twice a week on Monday and Thursday. So subscribe to never miss an episode. We're back and ready to get started with some parenting stories. Zach, what do you have this week? A triumph or a fail? Uh, I think fail. I was having some some family drama, some friend drama. It was just like one of those like crappy weeks. And I was just noticing how lucky I am, frankly, to like normally have like a relatively content day to day. Work is pretty good. I get along with my family pretty well. 
Um, and therefore, I can usually like try at least my best to be a good dad. And I was just noticing this week as I was just dealing with this other stuff outside my immediate family that I just became such a worse parent, less patient, less compassionate. Um, it gave me a lot of respect for people who just have no choice but to deal with the crazy shit that comes into their lives and um, have to just parent through it regardless. And so there was like a couple, There was it was really just like a day maybe two days this weekend where I just felt like unable to, to show up as, as the best dad I could. I was talking to my friends last night we're, who, you know, we're going through something and then this Roe v. Wade thing comes up and it's like, man, this is a, this is a bleak moment in America. And just got me feeling terrible. Um, t- terrible. I'm in the same. Yeah. <laughs> We had a a rough weekend also of just like one of those days when the kids are all doing stuff and you're you're trying to like redirect each of them, but they just keep ending up in the same place and getting like like I was nonstop parenting this weekend where usually they're like pretty good. And then I feel like on top of that, the Roe v. Wade, just like the, the weight of that and my my anger and my feel of just like hopelessness and like you said the bleak moment is just like a lot it's a lot yeah there's something safe about being so cynical about america that you always expect the worst Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. so like as heartbreaking as this should be for me i've been waiting for roe to be taken away my whole life you know like I, i just have been a repro justice girl and that's always been the conversation in those communities you know that like the end goal is to get rid of reproductive rights and they are going to do that the second that they have the ability to control the supreme court and it brings back some really painful memories um particularly of the obama era and merrick garland but also like Mm -hmm. you know obama being one of those presidents who says something about you know, with a stroke of a pen, here's what I can do for Roe and like not doing that. So I don't know. Um, I can't say I'm surprised, but it is definitely a bleak, bleak moment. Living in Colorado Springs, I'm definitely surrounded by a bunch of people who are anti-abortion and spend a lot of times talking about, you know, how terrible abortions are without any understanding of the other societal things, right, that surround the reproductive rights conversation. Like, this isn't just about abortions. It's about the fact that, like, we don't support mothers. We don't support anyone. And so you ask someone to make this incredibly hard choice that we do not plan, like, we do not plan to support them in any other way No, if they choose to have the baby, but then throwing all this moral stuff about life out there and i just feel like do you have no sense of what like life even means Mm -hmm. it's hard because there are people here that are celebrating this in this very simple way Mm -hmm. and it's like you just cannot get through to them like you have kids you you know what this does and you were in a you know in a partnered relationship with your where you both are employed and you both have all of these advantages 
And how can you not see what a change this could be for someone's entire life? You have to care. You have to care. You have to care That's about the these people. Yeah, it's not okay to just spout this stuff. And I, and I think that to me is is this idea that there's been this big moral victory. And it's like, no, we are abandoning people. It's so hurtful and terrible. Especially know. considering that we know that community will not stop seeking abortion and will right. make sure that it is available to their wives, children, and mistresses as they see fit. Right. People who have access have access, and they're going to continue to have access. What are you to do with the, with the rage? Where do you put it now? Food? No. <laughs> right. <laughs> I don't know if you've heard, Zach, but I'm a pothead. <laughs> yeah, that helps. Uh, I, I meant more like, do, is there like a, a specific... Um, you know, direct action or cause or, you know, place that you donate to, like, in addition to to getting high and eating ice cream, which I totally endorse. One organization that I support is uh, Sister Son Trust Black Women. Um, They're a dope Atlanta-based reproductive justice organization. I was thinking about that today, to be honest. I was Mm -hmm. looking at my feed and I was like, I need to be more directly connected to this. And I honestly, I thought about it. I was like, you could write something. I was like, I don't have anything to say. You know, like, I don't feel like I have anything particularly profound or useful to add. Mm -hmm. Um, But I, I do feel that as somebody who's had an abortion, as somebody who's, you know, and I've always been very outspoken about it, Mm -hmm. you know, I guess in my limited scope of influence or whatever, I've talked about abortion, the importance of supporting people who have them and having free and unfettered access to them. Black women in particular stand so much to lose here. Like, especially when you, not just factoring in every life factor that makes having a black child you know, infinitely more difficult, but just the maternal health. Yeah, I mean, there uh, access of to black care. women, yeah. just the access to care, and just the care you get when you do have yes. access, and that's yes, a, a very big. You know, like most people think that black women suffer poor reproductive health outcomes because you know of lack of access to care, but even upper middle class, college trained yes. black women, you know, are more likely to die in childbirth related um, conditions. You know, to have, I mean, Beyonce and Serena have the best care in both face mm-hmm. life threatening challenges during Mm. pregnancy and Serena's was something that her doctors were not paying attention to. That's right. You know, so it's just, it's, it's terrifying to be black and pregnant and it's terrifying to be pregnant if you don't want to be. All of this is just like, okay, well back at it. I also am really trying to talk to the kids about it. Like we talk about politics and stuff, but like addressing abortion specifically with them um, is not something that we've done. And we've, we, you know, talk a little bit about reproductive rights, but not in any meaningful way. And I'm just like, all right, well, it's got to start happening because I'm, you know, raising three little white boys and they, they have to know, and they have to know that it's important to me and I have to make them care about it. Well, listeners, we're frustrated and we're sure that a lot of you all are frustrated uh, as well. And we're certainly open to tips and suggestions. So maybe leave a comment on our Facebook page or send some ideas for how us and other listeners can get active in the fight to protect access to abortion. So, Zach, that was your triumph slash fail slash a lot. Um, Elizabeth, what about you? I'm taking a part triumph, part fail, which is... That I I told you the story of my middle child, Oliver, carries around this puppy dog, and we convinced him that there's magic washing powder that grandma brings, and we put it into the dryer, and out comes a brand new looking dog, because it is a brand new dog. Ikea stopped making the dogs. 
Um, <gasps> it is a travesty. They stopped making them sometime <laughs> around Christmas. Next week is his birthday. He is turning eight. I thought for sure, no big deal. They stopped making the dogs. He's turning eight. This will all disappear. No, my my mother came for a visit. Uh, she had to lie and say she forgot the washing powder, which she really doesn't like to do, but she did it because she loves me so much. And, and then now my dad's coming um, to visit and she, you know, Oliver asked, could I ask grandma to send the magic washing powder with my dad? I went on eBay and I found a dog and I ordered it. I was going to I yeah. was going to say yeah. there's got to be one online. I know, but it feels like I should have thought, you know, the last time I told this story, listeners like go buy all the dogs and I'm like, IKEA yep. has made this dog forever. I was wrong. I should have bought the dog. I bought the dog on eBay for like twice the price. It's here, it's hiding. We're going to use the magic washing powder. We're going to do it and and we'll see if this is actually the last time I'm hoping. Otherwise, I might have to fess up. <laughs> you know, for I did blame supply chain shortages. For a while of magic, grandma's magic powder. So there we are. We're next week. The dog will be replaced again. Okay. Hopefully eight is the year that we break up with the dog a little (laughs) bit. And this is the last one. Okay. My minor triumph is that last week, my best friend and I, I wasn't on the show because my bestie and I went out to Palm Desert for a few days. And so this trip was planned months ago. We were supposed to go in like December and then he got COVID and we had to postpone. And so um, I've been excited. It was supposed to be a writing trip. We're both writers and we're going to ride in the desert and get some pool time and, you know, do a little eating, go to Palm Springs. Be very cool. Um, And it was great. Very little writing got done. But it's so funny because no one asked, oh, what made you think to book a trip in Palm Desert? So it was a timeshare presentation. And my triumph is that I walked out without a timeshare. (laughs) They almost got me. They almost got me. And I called my friend. I was like, I need help. He was like, I went for a run. I was like, I need help. He was like, what is it? He was, I was like, you know what it is. I'm about to buy it. But what I did get me to buy was another package to come back and be presented to again, in which I'm going to have to summon up this steel reserve or decide if the timeshare actually makes sense for my life. And so um, this is me actually asking listeners for advice. Can you please send us a message and let me know if you like it or not? Um, my friends said I had to do some research before I go back. Yeah. <laughs> So I want somebody to tell me, like, I love it or, oh, my God, scam, scam, scam. Don't do it. That's our triumphs and fails for the week. Uh, We're going to take another quick break. And when we come back, we'll get into today's listener question. Should we hear our listener question? We should. And it's being read, as always, by the fabulous Shasha Leonard. Dear Mom and Dad, I need someone to tell me that it is perfectly okay to just throw everything away in my house and start over. I live with four other complete human beings, my partner and an eight-year-old and a six-year-old, all of which are incapable of cleaning up after themselves. I've tried to teach my six-year-old to clean up their bedroom that's full of small toys and Legos, but they'll just melt down even when I separate the work into smaller tasks. My older child is capable of cleaning up, but I can't expect them to clean up their siblings' mess. I spend most of my free time cleaning up after my family. I work from 3 a.m. to 10 a.m., six days a week to handle at-home childcare for my youngest and to be there after school for my eldest. My partner works 10-hour days, five days a week, and has a two-hour commute. So if you're doing the math, I'm pretty much on my own until the weekend. The weekends are spent trying to get everything done while spending time with the kids and each other. 
So with this busy schedule, you can see why a house would be hard to maintain when everyone is pitching in. But they're not. The amount of stuff we have is out of control. Nothing has a home, and stuff just piles up places around my house. It's a never-ending cycle. So I need this stuff to go. I don't want to punish my children for my lack of parenting, but I am truly drowning and slowly losing my mind. I simply cannot do this on my own, and every time I look at my house, I fall deeper and deeper into a depression, and it never seems to stop. It really is like taking one step forward and three steps back every time I sit down. That's all. Overwhelmed, overworked, and over it. Whew. Yeah. Uh, very relatable. Mm-hmm. Elizabeth, I feel like probably most relatable to you having three little ones. Yeah. Dear letter writer, this is not just your problem. This is your whole family's problem. And if they don't understand that, there needs to be a family meeting where they understand that it's all of your problem. Even if it's only bothering you, it is a family problem. Because if you are spending all that time doing all the cleanup, that is bad for the family. It's bad for the family for, for so many reasons. So, yes, I, I it is totally okay to get rid of the stuff is what I want to say. One of the benefits of military life is that we move. And so I purge like crazy because when I see things mm. sitting around, I think I'm just going to have to deal with this when I move. Yeah. I think, though, the important part is that you set some expectations. So understand what tidy looks like to you. Understand what tidy is going to look like to your six-year-old and your eight-year-old. And then you need to make some decisions about, you know, you can only keep what fits in X space to each person and Mm. they can make that decision or you can make that decision. I know it's hard to part with things, but I also think it's such an important lesson for the kids. And and I've had a lot of success with the like donate, donate, donate. Um, I feel like it wraps much tidier into a lesson if you are bringing old Legos to, you know, the children's hospital. There are many ways to do this. You can actually mail Legos back to Lego and they donate them to places. There are, if you Google it, a hundred places in your town that will take these things. Um, You can drop them off at Goodwill. You can go find, you know, nursing homes that need things, preschools that need things. Like there's lots of ways. And getting your kids to be part of that is is actually really good. I mean, it can Mm -hmm. be this kind of volunteer thing you do together. And yes, all of this is work but at least you will only have to do it you know this once you could encourage them to sell their stuff either on ebay or something else and make some money if that's something that you would like to do and you feel like would make parting with the toys um, easier i think that what you have to do is have sort of this mentality that this is a family problem we are dealing with and this stuff is going to leave and if they're you know you are still the parent so it is also okay to just say it's going i'm pick three things everything else you know is staying kids have a tendency to think too that they're they're playing with their toys that they're not and so something we do a lot is i ask them to box up the toy and we put it in the garage and then i say in four weeks if you ask for it we'll get it back down and that's kind of how like i realized we're over the play-doh phase like every time i got the play-doh out we play with it but if i didn't make the effort to get it out and then put it all back away we didn't play with it so when i put it away and they never asked for it i offloaded it um i i think you can can look for something like that if you are feeling really overwhelmed emily lay has the simplified ruthless declutter she calls it it's available online it's like 10 or 12 steps and you do one a day and like day one you know you walk around with a bag and you throw away 
anything that is trash, broken pieces of toys that I, <laughs> I'm crazy. I, she runs it on her Instagram every um, January and I do it every January and it's great. Um, wow. And it's just a good place to get started if you're not sure where to get start- started. The other thing I really wanted to say is that my six-year-old who has um, ADHD is very overwhelmed by cleaning up, even if I break down the tasks. So I think also putting the expectation that if if things are in generally kind of a mess and they've never been part of the cleaning it up, you're going to have to do it with your six-year-old. What works for ours is that everything is labeled, like the stuff they're keeping is it's labeled with a picture and they know that it goes in that box. And I actually took a picture of it cleaned so that when I, like one, so we can say, see, we have had it cleaned before. The other thing is setting those expectations. Our Legos are sorted by color. The eight-year-old and I do that once a month. We sit in there together and we listen to an audiobook and we sort it. But I have a bin that they clean up every day when they play in there and just all the Legos from the floor into the bin because my six-year-old will never sort those Legos. I don't even know when he's 10, you know, older that he will be sorting them. But there needs to be something that they can do and they can manage. And because we have a picture of the room clean after he did it with me, I can say, you've done this before. We can do this again. Um, but having these kind of systems that are are achievable. But I do think if, you, if you're feeling cluttered, the stuff probably needs to leave one way or another. Mm-hmm. What do you guys think? Yeah, I mean, I agree with all that and think that there might be a fun way to gamify this. That's what I try to do um, when I'm trying to make Noah do hard things and she's still four so she's not great at at this stuff but like and your kids now might be too old for the I'll time you um but get creative (laughs) and figuring out like okay the first person to produce 10 things that they're okay to part with will get Mm. whatever um Mm. bribe the shit out of them um don't get more stuff so you know reward (laughs) them with tv or a book or whatever they they love um getting to pick dinner Getting to pick dinner. Yeah, yeah. Just get creative with it. Um, and there's the, you know, of course, the, the the global sensation Marie Kondo. There's the book and there's also the Netflix show. If you all like watching shows, they might be enthralled when they see the kind of before and after of Clutter to Clean. Because I, I think most people, maybe all people, once once they get a sense of what life can be like when they get rid of stuff they see the appeal of it they see that they don't need like hairy play-doh and like just you know just like disgusting stuff that has just been sitting in corners just like get rid of it and they will feel the magical elation that you're after too which goes back to what elizabeth is saying is that it's it's all of you and i i totally think that your kids are old enough to understand the weight that you're feeling right now with all this stuff and so the 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 more articulate you can be about what this is doing to you and why why this is impacting you in the way it 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 is i think it's gonna bring you closer together because they're gonna see that you are a person and not just a parent and i think that's really important this is like one of those times where where they see um that you're fallible and i think that's very important i just want to like validate your feeling that the right thing to do is to throw a lot of stuff away like it is like i don't want you to feel 
that just making your house tidier is going to fix it. Like what? And I say this as somebody who I have way too much stuff. Like my co-host can see the inside of my closet. I am just a person who owns a lot of things and I've raised a child who owns a lot of things. And so like, God, we got rid of a lot of stuff when we moved from New York. And then I like last year, I tried to like reduce our things by like 30, 40%. And I just still feel like there's too much and there's just always stuff. And I feel good when it's organized, but you know the difference between like, I have the things that I need and this is too much stuff. Yeah. It's not going to feel better until it's truly done. You know, mm. you can start a little bit at a time, like uh, Elizabeth suggested looking up the, um, what was it called? The cleaning challenge? The simplified ruthless declutter. <laughs> yes. The Simplified Ruthless Decluttering Challenge, um, where you start out with walking through your house with a trash bag and just you doing that without the kids. You can probably get a lot of stuff out of their room before, you know, putting it to them to help you decide. I'm sure there are things like McDonald's toys and birthday party favors and anything broken, you know, that you can identify. And since you are the one who's spending most of your time cleaning up, the next time you're tidying up, just start getting rid of things start now start while you're listening to this just get a bag constantly be getting rid of things you know i found that that really helps me a lot when i was trying to lessen our load those are such good points that like more bins will not fix your problem <laughs> right you, you're thinking oh, i'll get some more i'll go I'll to just, bed bath and beyond yeah. and get some underbed storage and it's like why are you storing these things exactly. just, it they have no use the way then to try to set yourself up is that when you're done with this declutter, like your goal should be that everything has a place, right? And the person who mainly uses that can put it in their place. <laughs> and then your expectation can just be in terms of, I, I know it seems like a lot to teach your kids to clean up, but your expectation can be at night before we go to bed, this should look like this. I should not have to clean this up. And I, I think once you get to that state, with a six and an eight-year-old, you can say, on Wednesdays, anything that's left on your floor is mine. And you're going to do a chore or something to get it back, right? Wh whatever's bothering you. You can then set some consequences or do a big cleanup. The other thing I read in this letter is just like, you are constantly working. And if every day you come home to a house that you feel is literally closing in on you, the goal needs to be that you can walk in and everyone's put stuff away and you're like, all right, I could do a better job, but I can live in this. That is achievable, but definitely take a month or more to get there. Don't think that like one mm -hmm. weekend, like Jamila said, is, is going <laughs> to like get it done because it's just not going to happen. I would also suggest just uh, uh, taking pictures as you go so you can eventually get the satisfaction of making your own. You can make you can make a flip book of of uh, clutter to clean. It's deeply satisfying. Elizabeth, I'm glad you said family cleanup and whole household because there's something that we neglected to address in this letter, which is that it's not just the children that are incapable of picking <laughs> yes, up behind okay. themselves. It's everyone she lives with, which mm -hmm. includes her partner. Yeah who all we know about them is that this is your partner and that they are certainly a person of age and they work as do you and you work a grown-up job with grown-up hours. So it seems, and, you know, I don't have personal experience with this in, in terms of with children, but 
I know that I'm alone in this house. I'm the only adult. So the cleaning is on me mm-hmm. or else. I get that. What I also know is that I only clean up behind a child. Mm-hmm. I can't fathom it being my responsibility and my duty to have to clean behind another person, not because they've given me a life in which that is my duty, right? Like, okay, I stay at home, you go to an office, I'm maintaining the house. These are two working people. Yeah. So something has gone wrong a while ago that this has become a norm, you know? Like, yeah. it when you noticed it, Either you said something about it and it didn't go anywhere or you didn't say anything about it. And now it's become the culture of your house. Do you two have any suggestions for how that can be broken? Because her partner is going to have to completely rethink their place in the house. A strategy that I learned, um, someone called into to my show, The Best Advice Show. And this is so funny and effective. What she did, she lives with her partner and a kid. And what she did was she graphed all of the household tasks that she and her partner do. So like, okay, I, if I, I do the dishes, you know, five days out of seven, I, mm-hmm. you know, you, you mow the lawn, you know, nine times out of 10 and actually like put this all on a graph. So there was a visualization of the disparity wow. in, in domestic labor between her and her husband. And once she showed it to him, in this case, she was doing more. Once she showed it to him, he was like, Oh shit. Uh this is not fair and it it kicked him into into gear. So this this is labor to do the graphs but it might be it might be deeply satisfying for you to, to 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 do some reporting on on this and just lay it all out. The reality is too like you only have so much time. I my kids are really receptive to this idea. I mean and Jeff too like if I have to pick up all the toys your laundry probably is not getting done or I can't also do this because I only have so many hours, you know? Um, And while I was picking up one room, you were making a mess in another room. (laughs) So I I think too, if you can have some kind of time in which you're all doing this together, regardless of how busy everyone's weekend, because this sounds like, I mean, the letter sounds like justifying, like the partner works all these hours and there's and commutes 20 hours a week. Right. I mean, and and I think there's a place where you're not asking them to do everything, but they definitely need to participate in this initial, like, get the house in a place where it can be maintained in, you know, an hour a week or something like that for just the clutter, right? That we haven't even talked about, like, who I'm, I'm assuming you're also doing a lot of the cleaning and cooking and those sort of things. I would imagine that most people that work 10 hour days, five days a week, aren't looking forward to doing a lot of cleaning on the weekends. But she works from 3 a.m. to 10 a.m., six days a week, so that she can do at home so childcare yes. before so and after school, yes. like, or rather for the youngest during the day and the um, eldest after school. That's a lot. Yeah, That's a lot. She sleeps. I know. I, was I don't know when she thing. sleeps. So it's not about the two of you all having a contest to see who has the harder (laughs) set of responsibilities, but it seems like both of you all have a lot on your plate for the care of the house to only land on you just isn't fair. I say make the graph. (laughs) Graph (laughs) it. Send it it to us. 
well overwhelmed, overworked, and over it. We hope you gave you some ideas. Um, and we love to know what happens next. And if you're able to get your space in order that works for you, let us know what helped. If anything, send us an email at momanddadislate.com or leave us a voice memo. That is it for our show. We'll be back in your feeds bright and early on Monday with some conundrums and recommendations. And as always, let me remind you to please subscribe to the show and leave us a rating or review on Apple or Spotify. This episode of Mom and Dad are Fighting is produced by Rosemary Belson and Jasmine Ellis. For Zach Rosen and Elizabeth Newcamp, I'm Jamila Lemieux. Thank you for listening.